What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. Heavy on the education, but you stay for the entertainment. I'm here with my guys, Jake Galley, Kyle Sturek. Stab Matt Robinson is not with us, but he's always with us in spirit. And he picked a good show not to come on. Because I'm because I'm sitting here with a bunch of Sixers fans who were confident, confident about life. One of y'all in particular, we know who I'm talking about. Uber confidence, right? Nothing, nothing but confidence. Y'all saw it on social media, and it didn't go as planned. But what we will t- we will get to that in an absolute second. Like I said, my guys, Jake Galley and Kyle Sarek hit with me. How you guys doing, man? How, how's how, how you better. how you doing with it? I've been better. I tell you that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, at this point, we're we're a good chunk removed, but there isn't much that stuns me. There isn't much that can kind of take the wind out of you when you are a Sixers fan and you've dealt with what you've dealt with. Game six, game seven. I mean, really, since game no, they had to open one, a fresh wound. It, it it was a fresh wound. It was a gut punch. It mm-hmm. was a oh, things aren't different. It we, we they are who we thought they were. Tight moment. Mm, not Dennis Allen. You didn't Dennis Allen Straight yourself. Up. Oh, Ben. You Dennis oh my Allen God. yourself. Oh, Ben Simmons is a, like to a T exactly who we thought he was all the the, the entire time. Mm. I've, I've been right about Ben since I said we should trade him last year, and I didn't think it would get in the way. He got in the way this year. Obviously, he got he got in the way. Kyle, man, Kyle, what happened? Hey, what what happened, man? What, what, well, what first of all, I'm good. Just to start with, I'm good. I had a good week uh, outside of what we're talking about. But Sixers-wise, man, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we're the better team. What did I say last week? That uh, we're outplaying ourselves, that the, the Hawks weren't beating us, and that was our downfall. And that was our downfall. But I'm not going to lie. I've recovered a little bit. I'm still going to be sad. I'm still going to be, you know, not as into the NBA playoffs as I would have been if my team was there. But... I'm trying right, to put it behind me. I'm trying to put son, it behind me. Y'all Suns fans now. Y'all looking at your future point guard now. Come on, man. <laughs> I, I was that thought ran. It's funny you say that. The thought ran through my mind in the aftermath of Game Seven. Who can we get in here? And who do y'all need? I'm still I on would it. Love Chris Paul on this Sixers team, man. Who do y'all I'm still need? thinking Dame and Brad Beal, but that's not. I mean, a, a score if those pro- don't work. And they, if, if those don't work, I can see, I can see Chris Paul. I do think the pecking order for y'all should be Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Chris Paul. Chris Paul comes with a two-year, sixty million dollar at least brand new contract. Yeah, I'm not. That's, I don't like that, I, that, that. That's not he deserves the situation, money. but he not deserves the money for. But for my team, I don't want to pay that money. The, the situation yeah. that y'all are in, yeah. I mean, even if you get rid of Ben, you still got two players who are getting thirty million dollars next year. Your salary cap ain't ain't crazy. You get mm-hmm. rid of Ben, you clear about thirty million of that. I think that gives you about like fifty million to play with before the luxury tax. And Chris Paul alone, that 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 gets y'all taxed. But let's let's stay in this realm because, like y'all. A lot of Sixers fans need this this kind of post-mortem time, this time for mourning, this time for figuring out what the hell went wrong. And this is a question that I, I've been debating a lot with kind of just my friends off, off the record. And we painted a scenario, right? I need y'all two's takes on it. We painted a scenario where everyone is sitting, every one of the Sixers is sitting in the room, getting yelled at by just, imagine just the city of Philadelphia as one person. And they're all just getting yelled at by them. To me, the only person who can leave this room is Seth Curry. Seth, you can pack your stuff up. Go ahead. You know, they'll meet you in Cancun when they get down there. Everybody else is now sitting two by two in rows. Rows of two. Who's? What's the order for you guys? Who's up front? Who's in row two? Who's in row three? Obviously, the further you are towards the front means the more weight and the more blame is on you for this Hawk series. But two by two. Who's row one? Who's row two? Who's row three? I mean, Jake, go, go, Kyle, go ahead first. I I'm mean, very interested to hear this. One seat has been reserved, and that's for Ben Simmons sitting oh, yeah, right yeah, up yeah. front. <laughs> he, he might be. He might be on the stool next to the teacher with the dunce cat on. I think on. My, he might. He my, might be there. My second seat probably goes to the bias with him, just because mm-hmm. you're supposed to be the leader of this team. He ain't stepped up. Mm-hmm. And then that next row, I don't want to throw Embiid in the second row. To be honest with you, I mean, I guess Doc Rivers got to sit there. Doc um, got to be in the second row for me. Doc got to be in the second uh, row. It, it's tough because you want to blame Embiid. Um, but he honestly, he's the one that like I didn't really see lose his energy, get defeated. I mean, I saw him try to come out and play, and while he had that bad game, he cost us that uh, game five going 0 for 14 from the field goal in the second half. But 
he didn't look like he was defeated like the rest of that team did. And B yeah. looked out and looked like he still wanted to play. I, I can't say the play. same. I can't say the same about a bunch of those guys. And that's personally where I think they went wrong. You asked that mm-hmm. question was the energy level. They let those losses hurt them. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like I'm getting revenge. Like they, they let that hurt when going back to Atlanta. And they took that game in Atlanta, but you got to bring it right back to Philly, and they didn't. So mm-hmm. I, I, I agree. I agree. And Bede probably gets maybe some of the lowest share of this blame of anybody. But 0 for 14 in the second half in game five, oh, eight turnovers oh. in game six, eight turnovers in game seven. That's tough. That's my and that's my best player. I get that you went out there with a torn meniscus. But if you are going to go out there and say you're good and demand play 35 to 40 minutes, I got to be able to hold you to the responsibility of my best player. And you can never have, when your usage rate is that high, you can never have eight turnovers. So no matter what your usage rate is. I agree. Damn near no. 10 turnovers back-to-back games. Those, that's that's going to make my that's gonna make my offense just sputter. I've, I forgot about the game seven turnovers, not going to lie. That's mm, how much mm. I'm really trying to move on from this right now. Uh, uh, but what I will say is that front row, that Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris row, they got courtside seats. My the whole second time. row is, you know, sitting in the back of the first section. I mean, they're not nosebleeds, but... Ben Simmons and Tobias in this room is sitting courtside seats. They they're taking a lot of the blame for me on yeah. this one. Jake, I'm interested to hear your your rows, and I'll, I'll share my rows because they kind of vary every day. But Jake, what what are your rows? First two seats might be given, but I'm interested. Right. Uh, well, you know what? I think I'll depart a, a little bit here from I guess what you what you and Kyle have, but. Ben Simmons, honestly, if I could make Ben sit alone in a row of his own, (laughs) he sits in a row of his own. (laughs) But assuming there needs to be someone next to him, I'm going to hold off on putting Tobias there. I'll put Doc Rivers there. Um, I think Doc is going to obviously have a second year, second chance at this whole thing. (laughs) But it looks pretty horrendous that yet again he's flunked out in the playoffs underperformed and crumbled in big moments all while you go over and look at his old team and without their best player they're in the western well their best player played to get them into the western conference finals but they're battling in the western conference finals guys like reggie jackson stepping up because ty Lu brought mm. that team and, and that's and you know we'll give him his flowers later in the episode that's a legit that's that's a coach who can make adjustments. Doc Rivers, his biggest knock is that he doesn't feel the need to make he doesn't feel urgency to make adjustments and it'll cost you in the playoffs. And I'm not sure what he could have adjusted. You have a guy out there who doesn't want to shoot, <laughs> doesn't want the basketball. You have a couple guys who don't want the basketball. You have one guy nah, who refuses are... to shoot the basketball. Couple of... <laughs> Yeah, and so, No, no, and, no. And so I mean, why... there's definitely adjustments could have been made. Right, there, there's adjustments he could have been he could have made, and ain't that a bitch, right? That your best, your second best player, ref, you know, either refuses or can't make an adjustment to his game that costs you games, and then your head coach refuses to make adjustments that also end up costing you games. Ain't ain't, ain't that about a double homicide right there? Uh, so that's the reason I'll have Doc in the same. And then Toby goes in the row right behind them. He just didn't bring it. I mean, he tried. He's not like Ben. It wasn't like he disappeared. He he went two for 11. I mean, that's like the, that is the Toby. If you could take a screenshot of a box score that describes Tobias Harris's time in Philadelphia in the playoffs, two for 11 in like a must have game. Like, what are we talking about here? He's another one who, if not for Ben, would be getting more brunt of, of the fans' ire. Yeah. Um, and then this is where you start to really, when you talk about the 2B row, like, I guess it has to be Joel. It doesn't leave a good taste in my mouth. You know, yeah. Joel is playing on a freaking torn mm. meniscus. Like, it's mm, tough. I, but like you said, like you guys said, the eight turnovers are unacceptable. I don't care if that's not how he should be playing. I don't think he should be facing up and dribbling as much as he does, but he has to. And mm-hmm. when you have to, ultimately, yeah. if you are the best player, if you are the MVP, you you transcend, you overcome. And he's not there yet. And and he doesn't have to get there for them to win a title. Like, that's something I want to be, like, very clear about. You bring in Chris Paul and you bring in Dame Lillard in, Joel Embiid can be efficient, three dribbles, get you 28, 10, and three blocks. And that is a... Uh, they, they crush that team that game. Like, they are lacking the proper mm-hmm. pieces around him once again. But he's the team's best player. So you got to hold him to that. But... Joel Embiid found himself in a lot of situations that he shouldn't have been in, and you're right, because of Ben Simmons. And, and when you really look back at the sets the Sixers had to run, Game 7, when when 
Danilo Gallinari poked that ball away. At first, I was real mad at Joel because I was like, how does Danilo's slow hands ass get his arm around you and poke that ball away? And then I went back and looked at where Joel is and how he caught the ball. Top of the key, about 21, 20 feet away from the basket, back face to the rim on a clear out set for your center. And the center is not Jokic. And, and you look at that and you're like, why are they running that set to win the game, to, to get you a bucket to win the game? And it's because you, you don't want to take Ben Simmons out. And so the only way to completely space the floor with Joel is to send everybody else on the baseline, bring him up for as much possible space as he can get and tell him, find something. Like that, that's all the space you're going to get on the floor. If we leave you on the block, you're either not going to have the space because Ben's going to have to be down there or you're not going to have reliable three-point shooters because one of the spots to kick out to is literally a guy who's now no threat and now you're getting double teams because we can send somebody because it's basically four on five on offense. So a lot of the things that went wrong in terms of the offensive set stuff going wrong on offense for the Sixers, about 85% of that bitch can go to Ben Simmons. Like it, it boils down to the fact that Ben Simmons really hurt your offense in the playoffs and you have to put people the reason that Seth Curry has so much on his plate granted he handled it but the reason that Seth Curry has to score so much is because Ben won't the reason that Tobias is glare low his, his lack of scoring is so glaring is because Ben's not helping either like like all these things boil down to man if Ben Simmons was just more aggressive we might be looking at a much much different outlook in this series I belly laughed at when Doc Rivers said we're gonna get in the gym ben's gonna get here we have the right way of doing things we have the it's gonna be the right way we're gonna do uh, hey buddy oh yeah you know what oh this is gonna be the summer ben simmons changes oh it's a, oh he was so embarrassed this is gonna be the, yeah you know what was embarrassing getting held to one point against the celtics when you were clearly the better team in his rookie year and he gets let off because mm -hmm. he's a rookie and then we fast forward and we do it all again against toronto and now we fast forward and we do it all again against Atlanta. And it's like, when are people going to realize? And James, I'll give you credit because we used to argue every day at my new Philly about every Ben day. Simmons, every day. him, every him day. getting a shot. And you're like, you know what? Some people just don't end up with a the shot. They don't have the, just for whatever can't reason, do it. they can't do it. And that is they Ben just Simmons. Can't do it. It is ridiculous. It makes me, it, it really does make me mad when we talk about it. And it's funny because they are the they are maybe pound for pound the best athletes in the world. They are freak basketball players. They've been doing it their whole life. But at the end of the day, they are still human. And every human has a limitation somewhere. It may not even be on the basketball court. But Ben Simmons, his limitation happens to be on the basketball court. And it's just, at least for the Sixers, it's not there, man. And you, you got to walk away from a toxic relationship at some point. You got to go your part. The best part about it, um, about what Doc said, like, oh, we're getting in the gym. Uh, have you seen the Sixers development staff and what they've, uh, you know, done recently? Who been in the gym like, with who? Like, we broke Markel Fultz. Uh, <laughs> Jalil. Zaire Smith probably, Zaire. probably gave him the peanuts and then never got him back. Right. And oh, even Matisse Thibel, who was an elite defender in a 3 and D era game, can't make a fucking three-pointer. So, I mean... I'm not have any trust in this development staff. You better hire like lethal shooter or someone like Yeah, Drew Hanlon. Bring bring Drew in. Yeah, you know, Let's seriously. Go, oh, Chris, you want Ben to Chris shoot, Brinkley, like, go off brand. You gotta bring that in influencer in. Yeah, no, 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 Cap. Chris, Chris, no, Chris, lethal shooter's resume is legit. Yeah, lethal, he he works yeah. out. Chris Brinkley, Drew Hanlon. Like Drew Hanlon got Markel's shot right. Drew Hanlon got Lonzo's shot right. Like go if there's anyone who can get this man right. It's yeah. Hanlon. But, but before, Don't do this in-house. If we keep him, do not do this in-house. Before we move on, let me share my road because there's some people who deserve a little bit more blame than I think they're getting. But obviously, my first two, Ben and Tobias, for obvious reasons. My second row is Doc and Dwight. And the reason why Dwight Howard is in my second row, he doesn't, he didn't play that many minutes to warrant so much responsibility. But this is year 16, 17 in the league, Dwight. Get some act right. You shouldn't be out there picking fights with people for no reason, getting technicals, and sending a top five free throw shooting team in the league in the regular season to the line to get free points and the ball back. You're too damn old to be making mistakes like that. For what? You want to pull Udonis Haslam on the court for who? Who you proving this to? If you don't get your ass down there on the block, gobble up a rebound and outlet pass that bitch out for 10 minutes while you're on the floor, I don't want to hear another peep out of you. You're too old and too been around too many teams to be making mistakes like that. And then right after them, 
is Matisse Thibault and, and Shake Milton. Like, like, let me go at Shake first. How many times are we gonna have this roller coaster ride? Where you give us one game where you're like, ah, we can rely on Shake, and then you put some stock into him, and he pulls a Houdini act. A lot of people disappeared. Shake Milton damn near ran out the arena. Like the the walk that should have been called bucket that he got was about the, the best thing I saw Shake do from games three to seven. Like it, I didn't get good minutes out of Shake Milton at all. And then the reason why I have Matisse further up than I do back is he does a lot of great things on the defensive end. He lost y'all games five and damn near lost you game seven on cardinal sins. You are a defensive specialist. So I shouldn't have to tell you to not foul a three-point shooter. I shouldn't have to tell you to do that. And if you do it once, you best not do it again. You best not do it twice. And he did it both times, both times under a minute in the game. And it directly led to points, directly led to a loss. So Matisse, yeah. like you, you know better. This is now your two second team all defense. Second team all defense don't make these boneheaded plays trying to swipe behind Kevin Herter to save thoughts. You're down by one. You put a good contest up. If it goes in, you look to see the next possession. You do not foul a three-point shooter. Ultimately, yeah, that was that's, tough. And he that, slapped that, him in the head. Slapped the shit out of him, man. Slapped the shit out of him. Ultimately, that's what cost them, too. It's funny you mention those guys, because, like, the Dwight Howards, Shake Milton, Furkan Korkmaz, that whole gang. Furkan grabbed a seat, too. They got the Harry Potter invisibility cloak out for those games for, for, for the back half of that series. I mean, Furkan shooting one for five. Like, those are guys who you need. Like, you need a herder game out of one of those guys. And everyone was saying, like, yep. oh, like, that's that's what Seth Curry is doing. No. Seth Curry is the number two scoring option. You got it incorrect. They don't have anyone else to give the ball mm-hmm. to. Like, that's ultimately mm-hmm. what yeah. and, and it's, should, a, it's and, a bad ju- Yeah, I mean, it's, right. it, it's pretty much the end of it that, that my feelings towards the game. I'm happy to move on, but, like, there was a whole lot. We did the blame pie. A whole lot of pie to go around. whole lot of pie. whole lot of, yeah, uh, of rows. Absolutely. There's rows and rows. And it's a bad job when Seth Curry becomes your, your number two scoring option. He was never supposed to be that. Granted, he, he handled what we what y'all put on his plate. He, he ate the meals that was put on his plate, but that man got eyed as something crazy because he wasn't supposed to. His bag's not supposed to be like that. But, but good for Seth Curry. What I don't want to do is sit here and run over the fact that the Hawks played a tremendous series, took down two teams that people honestly didn't think they were going to take down. They were kind of rooting for these other two teams as they did it. Trey Young has now asserted himself amongst the league's best. It's pretty much undeniable, even especially if I'm saying it, because I wasn't the biggest Trey Young fan. I thought he was mad corny before these playoffs. And the way he's, the way he's, the way he's doing it, <laughs> The way he's doing it is, is is a lot different. Like, think about this for a second. Trey Young went into two of the most hostile environments in the NBA. Back-to-back series. Have given them 40-piece after 30-piece after 40-piece. Won three games on the road in Philly, who back-to-back seasons has been the best team at home in the NBA. And is breaking hearts. Not only is he winning games, but it's the manner in which he's doing it. Damn near Reggie Miller-esque the way he did it in the garden. Going at Spike Lee, going at the fans, ruthless. Even when he has a 5-for-23 shooting game, even when he has a 4-for-20 shooting game, there's big moments in all of these games where Trey Young is like willed the Hawks to victory. And it's to me, it's one of the most impressive playoff debuts I've ever seen. Not overall performances, but for his very first playoffs... It's one of the most impressive playoff runs I've ever seen. By the way, that man's getting off his first signature shoe while he's doing it too. It's cold blooded. Like it's 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 mad impressive. I gotta give him his props. It is. It, it even it's even better than what Tatum was doing. You know that year that they went mm-hmm. to the Eastern Conference Finals, his rookie year, because he has every reason really to like wilt in these moments. Doesn't have mm-hmm. the size. Doesn't really have the athleticism you want to say that you that you expect for a physical playoff series, um, and he's was thought to be somewhat of a liability on the defensive end. Thus far, no one has been able to take advantage of that, and you got to and not only Trey Young, you, you know, give Trey Young his uh, credit for sure, but like the basketball Nate McMillan has that team playing. I'll say it again, since he's been instated as their interim coach. They are the second best team in the NBA. Best Period. Team. 
Like, if you look at it from that that angle, it shouldn't be super surprising what they're doing. But the fact that, as you said, he's been able to go into the heart of two basketball cities, Philly, New York, and topple them has been incredible. And you got to give credit to his to, to the supporting cast, Herder, Gallinari, John Collins, Capella. Like, those are all solid all players. They're solid players. It's a solid team. All of them. Yes, sir. Well, well, that's a good point, Jake. To, to, to really highlight what they're doing. What are they doing? We talked about what they did with the Sixers series, but now they find themselves in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Milwaukee Bucks, who also got a monkey off their back getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. So we're going to highlight both teams. Of course, when we do it, we go to the facts. So, Kyle, let, let's let's get the facts on this Hawks, this Hawks-Bucks series real quick. Yes, sir. So, I mean, we saw the Hawks take game one. They're now 36-15 and 15 in the last 51 games. That's the best team in the East. Um, on the other side, we talk about Giannis, right? He's let us down in the playoffs recently, but he's coming into this series having a great playoffs. Uh, in the Nets series, after going down 0-2, he averaged 34 points a game, 13.6 rebounds on 56% shooting. And the guy we mentioned, Trey Young, is he going to be able to step up? The facts on this one is he just won his first career game against Giannis ever. He started 0-5. for 5. His career shooting against the Bucks was 30% and 30% basically from field goal and three-point percentage. So the facts here are going to rely on can Trey Young step up and which team gets the role player minutes they need. Because with the Bucks or the Hawks, I mean, Bogdan still looks hurt. So we'll see what he could do. He Cam Reddish, bad in game one, too. Cam Reddish is problem. apparently coming back. We'll see what that means. I don't think you throw a guy into valuable playoff minutes after he hasn't played in a while and your team's rolling. Um, and then Herter and Collins, who are coming off of great series. Uh, Herter, of course, had those big games, but had an all-around good series. Shot 48% from the field. Collins was giving you a double-double on average against the Sixers. And I think Capella should play better than he did against Embiid. And on the Bucks side, it's Holiday. He went for 33-10 and 10 in Game 1, and they still lost because of this man, Chris Middleton. Middleton played 40 minutes, had 15 points on 26% shooting. I mean, they got to find a team effort because the Hawks are playing great team basketball all around. And you can get a bad game out of Bogdan, and it doesn't matter. But a bad game out of Chris Middleton, it just shows that they're going to lose. I mean, 33-10 mm-hmm. and 10 from Drew Holiday should never be a loss when he's your third best player on the court. I mean, facts, so, facts. And, and it's going to be tough. Tell Chris Middleton, welcome to the Eastern Conference Finals. You can't have bad games anymore. Bad games yeah. don't exist anymore. Not now. You got to show up night in and night this out. This is or, thing, bro. Yeah. That is how Chris Middleton plays basketball. It's like, like I'm going to have two horrible games, and I'm just going to destroy you for three straight. And, and and but the two horrible games you're going to lose, and you can't yeah, you can't tough. afford you can't afford you can't afford to drop those two games anymore. What I look at with this series is, I'm looking for patterns now. And it looks like this series is off to the same start that the first two series were that the Hawks played. You come in, have a, a Trey Young as a masterful performance in game one. You come in and jump on someone on the road, grab home court, grab momentum. Even when the opposite team star has a good game, you still win. Julius Randle had a good game in game one in the first round. They still won. Joel Embiid had a great game in, in game one of the second round. The Hawks still won. Giannis and Drew Holiday both still have great games in game one, and the Hawks still win. So that that's kind of the pattern I'm already seeing with this Hawks Bucks series. And that's bad news for the Bucks because the Hawks, I've said it last week, I've said it before, I'll say it again. The Hawks sees momentum maybe better than any team has done in these playoffs. And if you let them grab momentum, they will beat you. Like, they will beat you in the whole series. And it looks like they're off to that start already. It's tough for Milwaukee dropping a home game, game one. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's not too many teams you can look at that have the same type of home court advantage that Milwaukee has. I mean, those fans are locked in. And dropping game one to Trey Young is an issue, as we've seen. I do do just want to pump the brakes a little bit here. Because you're right. And, And here, the other thing that has somewhat bothered me is the way that after the Atlanta Hawks come in and beat whatever team it is, game one, the immediate conversation is, well, what is this team doing wrong? What are the Bucks doing wrong? What What are the Sixers doing wrong? They're playing a really fucking good team. Like, it's not sometimes it's, they, it was a three-point game and both teams shot below 25% from the three-point line. Mm-hmm. That will be where the series, in my opinion, that will be what swings game two and ultimately what swings... Uh, the series is if you can limit the Hawks to the, to shooting three point uh, open three pointers. Kyle talked about Trey Young's percentage around thirty percent against Milwaukee. Uh, you you have to hold them to that, and then on offense, you have to run your offense and get open looks. And 
Milwaukee, as we've seen, even in the even in the Brooklyn series, James, we were watching Game Seven. I'm like, what do they do to get a bucket mm-hmm. in in Milwaukee? Like, give it to Giannis yeah, and straight line drive into his defender, and I'll put up a layup. That's a terrible, terrible look on offense. Like, I don't know. Really I, it might work. be Atlanta's time. And it might be. I think when to answer that question, what are teams doing wrong? They keep acting like the Atlanta Hawks don't steal game one. You keep acting like they're supposed to come into your home well under under the pressure, under the under the circumstance of being at someone else's home court. They're not going to play. Oh, stop acting like the Hawks aren't supposed to be here. That's what teams are doing wrong. Like, like we're going to go in and win game one and we'll pick up the series after that. Like, no, they are coming here to steal every game if you let them. Stop letting them. Like, like yeah. teams don't wake up until the second half when they're playing the Hawks in game one. Like, oh shit, this team is kind of good. Yeah, bro. Like, how much evidence do you need to see? How many, how many teams do they need to beat before you be like, they're not going to do that to us? You know, it's crazy. Actually, the, one of the funniest things I saw, it was on Twitter. It was like, Trey Young hit the last three and, and looked over for a celebrity to talk shit to in the crowd and forgot he was in Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> they said, man, looked to the sideline and saw Packers O-lineman. I was crying. That really is where you are. Um, but we're, we're going to move on. Actually, the last part of this, it's just funny, and I just want to address it real quick. It says, Coach Bud Revenge. Is this like is, is this time for Coach Bud to get? He's already down a game to his former team, but is this now time for him to get some revenge? I didn't know Budenholzer deserved revenge. Doesn't seem like a <laughs> a revengeful kind of guy, but like is this his opportunity to salvage whatever the hell went wrong in Atlanta? Uh, I mean, he's got a lot going wrong in Milwaukee the last man. couple years when it comes to the playoffs. So I think the reputation is the one he got to avenge right now I'm not, I'm not i don't think he's too mad about the hawks right now yeah he gotta worry you know, about keeping a job before you worry about you've had back to back back to back mvps Giannis, the defensive player of the year and now you get bringing all these pieces i think he's got to avenge his legacy here mm-hmm. before we move on real quick though i want to put my thoughts on the series because i just kind of get the facts go ahead what i see in the hawks right now is um a team and i didn't realize it in the sixers series because I, I see the sixers the same way even though they didn't act like it is they got five guys on the court that are threats at all times. And this is one thing that's hurting the Bucks. I mean, a lot in that game one, I'm seeing P.J. Tucker and Pat Connaughton on the same rotations. They got the fourth and fifth most minutes played. When you look at the Hawks side, it's like Herder and someone else, like guys that are actual threats. So on the Bucks, it's, it's going to be tough if, if you have to run Pat Connaughton for 30 minutes and P.J. Tucker for 35. Because mm-hmm. neither of these guys are going to give you valuable offensive minutes unless you're wide open in the corner for Tucker or Connaughton finds some, you know, back cuts or maybe sees an open three, which he's not even great at. So He airballed the game thing. winner. He airballed yeah. the game winner. Over that's what I'm noticing about the Hawks, man. The Hawks, I mean, of course they play great together. I mean, in terms of on paper, this team coming out of the regular season should not be here right now. Mm-hmm. But they found something that clicked, and every guy is a threat. And that's that's big right now. If Giannis goes cold for a six-minute streak or Drew Holiday can't find a three-bar, Chris Middleton does what does, does he blah, blah. Chris Middleton does what he does in game one again. Mm-hmm. The Hawks are not going to have, you know, stretches like that because ev- someone else is going to step up, and I'm not sure the Bucks are going to have that. I, this, go ahead, Jake. I, just really quick. It is important to note they're missing DiVincenzo, who would be that fourth oh, yeah, or fifth I, guy. I'm just talking on what we got right now. Right, yeah, for sure. Sure. And then number two, and this is maybe like a like a what-if scenario, the Bucks, essentially to the common man for a while, Bogdan Bogdanovich was... Uh, was a buck like straight up was a buck mm-hmm, like, oh, wait, mm-hmm. deal done. and it's not like atlanta was gonna make a move for drew holiday like now we would be talking about bogdanovich but maybe he would be hurt maybe he wouldn't be on the bucks and that player wouldn't be there for the hawks it's just interesting to think about the hawks may not be here like i know bogey's not been like the craziest craziest player but there's big shots and big moments and he's like you said he's always a threat um my last point that i want to make before we move on is that that game one and maybe the series boiled down to the last 30 seconds where the first game winning a shot attempt came from Pat Connaughton, air ball. And then the second game winning shot attempt came from Chris Middleton. That's when barely hit the front rim. So if, if you're the Bucks, you're in a very tough situation because if you find yourself down three with one possession left, which it's the playoffs and the, the conference finals and finals probably got four or five of them games built in where you have one possession that comes down to a three, you can't go to your two-time MVP. Where, where, where do you go? If I'm Chris Middleton, I'm Pat Connaughton. 
Like I may know in the back of my mind I have to be, get like hit a big shot, but if I'm sitting next to the two-time MVP, a top three-five player in the league, it's not really in the front of my mind that the game-winning shot's gonna have to be on me. The Bucks yeah. are in a bad spot because their best player can't take the game-winning shot. It's gotta Middle- be. Chris Middleton or Pat Connaughton. And Middleton Middleton's hit a big, proved, Middleton's he had a big shot he, earlier in the playoffs. He's, he, he's had a lot, though, in the past right, couple but, years. But I'll for a guy that you're talking about is wishy-washy for, in the game, yeah. especially game one, because game one was the example where yeah. he was absent, but at the end of the game, like, damn, we still got to put the ball in his hand because That's the thing. Pat just yeah. airballed. Giannis can't do it. Like, I don't want to go to Chris Middleton's 15-point having ass in 40 minutes, yep. but I got to. DiVincenzo's yeah. hurt. Brent Forbes is, isn't really that guy yet. Like, max money, man, Chris Middleton. 50 40 90 guy Chris Middleton that's who's gonna have to win you some ball games and I, I said from the beginning of the playoffs if that's their formula they're not going far they're not winning a championship if he's having his good games though I mean that man was trading buckets with KD last series yeah. in the fourth quarters I mean on his good games I want him with the ball but yeah if he's gonna have these shaky nights you're you're right it's not gonna win you games you know half of the time so definitely can't win you games the Bucks find themselves in an 0-1 hole and a team who found themselves in a hole literally every series that they've gone through is the Los Angeles Clippers. They keep digging themselves out of these joints, but at some point, it might catch up with you. They started down 0-2 to the Phoenix Suns, won game three in LA last night, good for them, on Thursday night. But still, the overall narrative is still there. Down 0-2 yet again, can they climb out yet again? And this time, Carl, when we do the facts, we're going to compare it. We're going to compare this Sun series to the first two, to the yep. Mavs series and then the Jazz series. How does this differ and can they do it? Yeah, so obviously you said it's 0-2 for the third straight time. Now it's 1-2. They brought it back. Something they've done in all the series. But something they did in the first two series was even this at 2-2. Mm. So, Because if it's 3-1 and you're down going back to Phoenix, I'm going to call this series a wrap. Over. If you look at the Mavs series, a lot of that was defense. They found a way to make Luka, you know, less effective by just limiting his teammates. Luka, great playmaker, but if his teammates aren't making the shots, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Tim Hardaway was the only one in the last five games of the series to even score 20 points or more. Mm. And they also shut down the three line. The Suns aren't shooting great from three, so I'm not too worried about that. I more want to look at the, uh, the Jazz series in this one. Because this is what's going to be more comparable for me in the Suns. And that's they got to step up on the offensive side of the ball. And in the Mavs series, they had Kawhi. It doesn't look like we're getting Kawhi in this series. Mm-hmm. So in that Jazz series, you saw Paul George step up, man. After being down 0-2, he, found, he dropped 32 a game, shooting 48%, 44%. Those first two games in the Suns series, he was shooting 40%, 35%. That's not good. He stepped it up last night. But that has to keep going. And the big thing for me is that the role players went big offensively. We're seeing it out of Reggie Jackson so far this series, which is great, but another guy's got to do it. Against the Jazz, it was Marcus Morris for two games, and it was Terrence Mann for a game, but Toom was putting in great minutes, and we're not seeing that much anymore. So one of those three guys is going to have to do it. I mean, I don't think there's anyone else you could look at. Zubac had a really good game last night, but he's not the type of player you know you can rely on to get you 20. Because if Reggie Jackson has a bad game, which, by the way, it's Reggie Jackson, he very well, like he very well might. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You need a Terrence Mann. You need a Marquise Mor- or Marcus Morris. You need a Batum to get you that 20 or even 25 if Reggie Jackson's <sighs> off. And yeah, it's tough. They did it against the Jazz, though. So I think the formula to success here, based off of the facts, and we'll have our opinions, obviously, like we do is the offensive side of the ball. They, they need to keep what worked yesterday because on defense, I mean, they're fine. Realistically, they should be up 2-1 in this series. That that DeAndre Ayton thing should never happen to a NBA basketball team at this level. To, defensive, you don't to have, a defensive to a yeah, defensive NBA basketball team. You don't have at least two men in the paint. The fact that you let DeAndre Jordan or DeAndre Ayton run from the free throw line and get a running start to put nah. that in, that the, should never happen. The fact so that I, I think it should like, be 2-1, but the fact that Zubox like Devin Booker set that good of a screen on him. Like really, really stopped man in his he tracks. He didn't even really like, hit the screen, too, like, though. He stopped yeah. him in his tracks. But for the role players, like to me, the the biggest reason, and I'm biased, but the biggest reason why the Clippers <laughs> won that game is because Chris Paul and Devin Booker struggled. Chris Paul and Devin Booker mm-hmm. had collectively the worst game as a duo, maybe in these playoffs. And the Clippers, or the, the Suns were still in it for you know majority of the game, not until like the last minute did Paul George start to run away with this thing. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, even on their on their worst game, the Suns still had a fighting chance for 90% of this game. 
and and you can't not you can't hope for that. You can't expect that. That's not going to happen for four games in a series for you to win. So I think that it's it's really the Sun series to lose. And they've already proven they can go on the road to win. They've already proven they can shut things down when need to be. So, so this is probably going to come back to bite me. But I think I'm ready to make a proclamation on the series. The Suns are winning this series in five. And I'd be a little surprised if they don't. Um, depending, and the only condition I'll put on that is that, and this is literally hilarious to have these words come out of my mouth, that depends on the health of campaign. In that game last night, without campaign, you're lacking your go-to bucket getter off of the bench when your two stars, are, are, are two offensive stars, are struggling to hit their own shots. You need to, and they should have that going forward. And then if you compare, when we're comparing and contrasting series, Look back at the Clippers, the way that they got by is A, they played the Mavs who, in my opinion, aren't that dangerous of a team, and B, faced a Jazz team without one of their best facilitators and guards in Mike Conley for the majority of the series. That series looks a lot different with Mike Conley and it healthy from game one, and you can't control that, so I'm not going to hold that against them, but engaging uh, this Sun series, Chris Paul's back now, you're probably going to have campaign back. And now you have, and you know, you're coming home, uh, or I guess you're, you're still in LA for one more game. But if they take this next game, like you said, 3-1 going mm. back to Phoenix, it's over. So it's really going to hinge on on this game four. And I, I I do yeah. prognosticate a Suns victory. I think uh, it, it could be five. I don't think it's an easy five, though. I mean, That's I've not been easy five. This, I can see it. I've been riding this Clippers team. And honestly, last night... Um, it really wasn't as close as you make it out to be, James. I mean, I thought getting, we had a fighting chance. Their starters were getting destroyed by the Clippers starters. I think they were down, what, 13 going into the fourth. They kind of came back for a second. I was about to say, but then. We and don't... then that was a wrap after that. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I think we haven't seen Paul. Like, Paul George didn't play amazing last night. I mean, Reggie Jackson played great. But Paul George didn't play amazing last what night. And 27, he, he was, 27. He was. 27 yeah, points. Yeah, but he shot like 35% or something. Like, it really wasn't that good. I mean, there, there was there, – buckets were at a premium last night. But yeah. bucket, bucket, the bucket getters were not, he, were not scoring. He was the one that really brought this team back in the last series, though. And if – I mean, if it wasn't for Devin Booker game one, Paul George was going back and forth with him until that third quarter where Devin Booker just went stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, he was, he was shooting the ball great. And I, I expect to see – in one of these next two games, because we're guaranteed to get at least two more, Paul George is going to have a phenomenal game somewhere, and and the Clippers should probably win that game. So I, I think if this series goes two two, I'm leaning on Clippers to win it. As of right now, I think it, it's pretty it's pretty fifty fifty. Um, just looking at it now in terms of who's going to win this series, because I think both teams are very evenly matched, and Cam Johnson's giving you efficient minutes from the Suns. I don't see that going forward. We're seeing bad games from Clippers players that we expect to see good games from. I don't see that going forward. So this this series could flip quick for me. I, I still mean, think the Suns are the better team, but matchup wise, I think it's very close right, right now. Well, I want to I want to address something both of y'all said. Jake, for you for the campaign thing, I'm so glad you brought that up. They're, they're starting to call that man CP15 now. Like that's that's how high of regards they're starting to hold for campaign down there. And if you guys remember way back in the first series with the Lakers, when I was talking about the Suns, the best thing about the Suns role players is they step up when the stars don't, and it's it's not coincidental. Like they realize when their stars don't got it and they got to step up. Cam Johnson had a great game last night and a great game too. Was perfect from the field in game two. Stepping up when Chris Paul's out. Campaign had 30, 30 something points in, in game two. Stepping up when Chris Paul's out. And losing campaign, you lost that safety net. That damn Chris Paul don't got it. So Cam, go in there and continue doing what you've been doing all playoffs. You lost that. There was no, there's no second option to go to. You reached in the bag and nothing was there. You're like, man, now we gotta go and just kind of fight with what we got. And it wasn't enough. For Kyle, for Paul George, I do think Paul George is, is the obvious X factor in this series. And games two and game three tell you all you need to know about that. Game two, he had a majority great game two. It was actually going down the stretch, trading buckets with the whole Suns team. You're right. And game two. And then what happened? 
Pandemic P bricked two Rears free throws at the up, bricked two free throws at the end, and they lost. Now, you go to game three, there's no lapse of Paul George. And really, when he hit the when he hit the half court shot at the end of the third quarter, that's when I knew we were gonna lose. Like that's something like that happens, and they still have momentum. You're like, uh, not our night. Basketball gods are on their side. I kind of know how this is gonna go. But he never falls off. He doesn't have that key turnover, that key miss shot, that bonehead play that swings momentum. And now we have a chance to win the game. So if Paul George plays not flawless, but if Paul George doesn't, excuse my French, fuck it up at the end of the game, then yeah, they win. But if there's something that I that the last two years have showed me is I can guarantee Paul George is going to do something for me. He will do something for me. He will go absent in baby. some area that's going to let me uh, win. Maybe, man. I still think the best player in this series is playing for the Clippers right now. So I'm uh, giving that team great job. All right, all right. I don't think you can really – I mean, you can argue Booker, but I think Paul George is the best player in this series. I can – what do you mean I can argue Booker? Like, you're going to give me that point? Yeah, I can argue no, Booker. No, like, yeah, like, close. Like, like, it's close, but I'm not thinking of anyone else. No, 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 no. Devin Booker is yeah. the only person I'm, I'm thinking yeah. of. Um, But that's – yo, that's a tough join right there because – we could keep talking about Paul George every podcast, and this man has only been proving me right since. So I'm gonna take it, man. Yeah, all right. You, you go ahead and hit your wagon to Pandemic P over there. You better hope that man vaccinated. Got him in the finals. I'll say just just to kind of put a cap on it. One last person we got to give some flowers to, and I was doing it on Twitter because everyone's starting to come around, and we may talk to him in the future. I've said that a couple of times. We'll see. Ryan McDonald. It's really on you. Yeah, it's on you. I don't got his number. I don't got his number. What am I going to do? Email him? Ryan right, right, right. is despised by Suns fans for picking Marquise Chris and Dragon Bender. Let me tell you, Suns fans, as a Sixers fan, <laughs> this shit happens. It happens a lot. There's a guy named Jaleel Okafor that can stare you in the face and say, hey, I'm the right pick. Go pick my big fat ass. And he never develops anything in the NBA. Or a guy named Markel Fultz, who you pick first overall, and he's an absolute scrubtacular bust. This happens to y'all. This happens to y'all. This doesn't happen to everybody a lot. This happens to y'all a lot. I would generalize the whole league. Which, like we all be picking bad he, people like that. He is someone who, besides Hinky, kind of adopted the tanking mentality, which is another reason mm-hmm. some Suns fans kind of say, you know, we we want those years back. But like, look, that's just the going rate of it. You pick Nerlens Noel and MCW and think, wow, we got something. Those dudes stink. And you you know what? Like it happens. You got you got Aiden. You got Booker. You got Mikel Bridges. Be happy. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll talk to Ryan. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That that came hey, from, hey, that hey, came hey, from we, such a personal place, Jake. That came from such a personal place. It's just place. I feel for him. He's You're not guy. over it at first level. Oh, I'm definitely <laughs> on the Sixers. I'm definitely not over that shit. Right, right, right. I mean, you've talked to him personally. You've probably gotten like the the explanation as to why he picked these guys. Like, hey man, when I was watching Marquise Chris, he was hooping. He showed me the bender pick. He showed me a forty three inch vertical at the combine. You would have picked him too. Like, <laughs> like realistically, like right with Bender. Like the Bender was the weird one. Do you Bender, think Bender was the one? He didn't pick Bender. Here's the other thing: you don't pick Bender. Maybe you're not so averse to the chunky Eastern European, you know, coming out highly touted. Luka Doncic is in that draft. Maybe I don't know. You, you know, he doesn't get hounded by the Suns fans, and he might end up taking Luka Doncic. Whatever. Either they way, just the wrong killing it. It's a hit or miss with killing it for him. The so Europeans, man. Luka's on his couch. Yeah, he's killing it. Aiden's been money because we're not going to see Zubac. What did Zubac have last night? Like 16 and 16? That's yeah, not sustainable that for this team. No, he does need to play. Zubac needs to be on the court because um, mismatch-wise, if you don't have someone that can line up with Aiden, you got to... Aiden shows that he can he can go toe-to-toe with, with the best down there. At least hold his own. At the very least, hold his own. So you got to have mm-hmm. someone down there who can bang when he pause because... If you don't, he's going to take advantage of you. The one person before we go, well, this is a great way to wrap a bow on this whole thing. You want to talk about people giving somebody flowers. Tyron Lue. How about the man? How about... That's what Jake was going to say. Yeah, that's what I thought you were going to say, too. He went Ryan <laughs> McDonough route. Yeah, I deserve, he went, it. I deserve he, it. He went Ryan McDonough route. Or he deserved it. Um, you know, head scratcher. But Ty, <laughs> Ty Lue. Let's give the man his flowers because Jake, especially me and you, man, Kyle, we weren't that good of friends in 2016, 2015, 2016, 2017. 
this man Tyler was at the expense of a lot of jokes between me and Jake, man. A lot of them. A lot of them. That's <laughs> him and David Blatt. Look, if they could have heard the things we were saying, they would never want to talk to us again. So now that we're five years removed from that, he's on the other. He's on. He's on LA now, and he took a team that had a, had an abysmal collapse last year in the playoffs, lost their best player, and now is battling, like you said, in the Western Conference Finals, and now. It's funny because a lot of the skeletons in Doc Rivers' closet have come out now that he lost. Now he's like, damn, I didn't know he was statistically the worst playoff coach of all time. (laughs) And now you go and the opposite is happening for Tyron Lue. Well, now that he's being, he's having impressive wins, the great stuff that we didn't realize about Tyron Lue is is now coming out. That he's like the best coach with a deficit in in NBA playoff history. Like when his teams go down is when he starts making it. The in-game adjustments that he's willing to make, when he doesn't leave room or leave time for them, when it has to happen, it happens. So great great on Tyron Lue, a guy who uh, thought just benefited from getting a championship because he was with LeBron, has really showed that he's a, a great and valuable coach in this league. So how much of this, the Clippers getting out of this hole, the Clippers winning game two, whatever they do, how much, you know, how much props do we give to Tyron Lue for... I mean, he's the maestro, man. He's orchestrating hundred percent, hundred percent. First time you, I mean, first time you could say he had LeBron. Like, obviously, like, all right, that's LeBron's team, not your team. You stepped in halfway through the year, but now he's doing it with his own team, and his star player got hurt and is probably out for the series. Series. I mean, we've seen adjustments. We've seen Marcus Morris go to the bench. Uh, he was the starter of the whole series. Now they're playing bigger with Zubac. They had a small ball lineup before. There's a lot of coaching going on here to get him to this point. And you've had big performances from players, but. Unlike Doc Rivers in Philly, the game plan is right for Ty Lue. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, he's doing the right things to get his team in a good position. So, if you bring a, if you bring any team to the finals without your best player as a coach, that says a lot about the coach you are. And I'll give my respects to and uh, you know check myself where I was wrong. I thought we got the right man in Doc Rivers. And Ty Lue, I was saying in the offseason, would be like worst case scenario for the Sixers. I do remember you saying that. Who, I do who remember knows, you saying that. Yeah, who knows down the line if obviously like who's going to be better. We're one year into both of them, Ty Lue and Doc Rivers. But obviously right now I was wrong about that second part that Ty Lue would have been, you know, worst case scenario because one coach is still coaching. Right. And, and, and not to like toot my own horn too much on this episode because you guys did. When you guys got Doc Rivers, I was like that. I can't not ever going to argue with with that coaching hire. But when yep. it was between like Doc Rivers, Dave Yeager, Ty Lue, you know, all, all the head coaches that were out there, a lot of Sixers fans scoffed at Tyron Lue. And I said, man, you can judge what his championship is. He still coached that team. He still mm-hmm. got someone to the promised land and was there for a 3-1 comeback. Like, yes, he had LeBron. But, but not every coach does that. Not everyone puts players in the right there. Not everyone is just able to motivate grown-ass men like that to will them to a championship. Championship DNA means everything, man. Like, if you know how to do it, to bring it to a team who hasn't done it before, that means everything. So, it made me mad when Sixers fans would scoff at Tyron Lue. Like, I'm sorry, championship head coaches just aren't, you know, aren't just out here to be picked up. Y'all got one. But I, I thought Tyron Lue should have had a lot more consideration from the city than he got. He's got no foldability in his gaze. He's the anti-Ben Simmons in the sense that he refuses to fold. And no situation does Ty Lu think, wow, I'm out of it. Uh, you know, we're done here, guys. Well, you know, oh, I, I hope my team's ready to play. The shit the Doc Rivers was saying. Granted, I think that was a little somewhat tongue-in-cheek, Doc mm-hmm. saying that. But uh, Kendrick Perkins was on Scallon Pals very vocal about when, when Ty Lu was hired. Like, this is the right guy for the job. Ty Lue is one of the most underrated coaches because he said that there was ultimate accountability in that locker room. Like, and not only that, he didn't get big timed by LeBron. Perk, uh, Perk would say, well, LeBron, like, shut tell, the fuck up. I got it. Shut the F up. <laughs> I got this. Like, that should tell you yeah, all you need I to got know it. right yeah. there about the moment, about that guy, about how he handles um, himself in, in playoff series. So, more power to him, man. He, mm-hmm. He's proven a lot of people wrong, including us here at the Straight Facts Podcast, which never has happened before, ever. Never happened. First time it's ever happened. That's 100%. actually, like, imagine that, the balls on the man. That was in, it's not in a practice, not in the film session. I mean, this is in games, in the playoffs. Him drawing up a play, LeBron tried to grab the board, him saying, shut the fuck up, I got this. And apparently, Brian's response was like, this shit better work. Like, like <laughs> if you got it, this shot better go in, or else you, you, you're not going to be in Cleveland next year. You should tell me to shut up. 
and it worked. And you ultimately earn LeBron's respect. Probably what he should have should have told Ben Simmons is shut the fuck up, shoot the ball. Like ultimate accountability. Like the the coddling players coach that Doc Rivers will be. I'll take the brunt of it for the media. May not be what Ben Simmons needs. He may need some Tyron Lue to be like, go out there and get swallowed up because your ass don't want to shoot. Thanks. Well, that was a good bow on how we started. We started talking about Doc Rivers. We end talking about Ty Lue. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good time to get into the countdown. Yes, sir. Let's go with number five. Five, the number of Pro Bowls Trey Turner has made in his seven-year career. He just got brought in on a one-year deal by the Pittsburgh Steelers, who in turn let go David DeCastro, who is a six-time Pro Bowler at the position. So, you know, it's kind of like a a weird trade-off. Yeah, trade-off, here, I guess. Yeah, I they guess. um they do I guess you could say fortify the offensive line since there would have been a hole left by DeCastro. That's the number one question. It, it, we've talked about the Steelers before on this podcast recently, and uh, in my opinion, their season will largely hinge around how much can that offensive line provide for both Ben and Najee uh, behind them. And I mean, I don't even know what the Steelers have done. Yeah, they didn't fortify <laughs> the offensive line like. Nothing changed. They just make these. They just make these weird moves. Yeah, like I mean, yeah, I don't know. Obviously, I've been in the city for four years, going to school out there. A lot of Steelers fans around me. And what's going on? What's the vibe the, out there? What's the what they talk about? I mean, there? I guess I haven't been there in six weeks, so I can't speak on this move specifically. But like, it's a lot like Philly. They think they got a shot, but <laughs> they'll admit when they don't. We're pretty bad at admitting when we don't have a shot. Oh, they'll admit when they don't. But yeah, but. What I will say about the Pittsburgh over the you know the time I've been there, um, they haven't been too hopeful about their team as of recent, and they haven't made any moves to make them hopeful this offseason. And their division's only getting better. Lamar Jackson, the Cleveland Browns are now a contender, and since he's doing the since he thing, but they got fresh blood in there with Joe Burrow. So mm-hmm. I'd like to see the Steelers do a little more, but I'll take this move. Trey Turner's a good player, right? The cash has been there a while. On, on paper, I mean, look, they're in the best division of football now, hands down. Yeah. All right, let's go to number four. Four, the players left in the NBA playoffs with a ring. They all are on the Clippers. Rajon Rondo, Kawhi Leonard, Serge Ibaka, and DeMarcus Cousins. A lot of championship pedigree. Sucks that they're going to have to lose in the Western Conference Finals, but hey, a lot of championship pedigree on that. Three and a half. Four because it fit the countdown, but three and a half because DeMarcus Cousins. You <laughs> still got it. You uh, still got it. Good for Boogie. Shout out Puma fam. Three and a half. I wonder. <laughs> like that. That is really shocking that... The guys who, you know, there's, first off, there's only four guys who have ever won a ring in the playoffs remaining. And then number two, they're mm-hmm. all on the same team, and that, that team has gone down 0-2 every time. It's just basketball is a very funny game sometimes, and we'll see. This is Fickle a sport, the man. Yeah. Yeah. Fickle-ass sport. All right, let's move on to number three. The number of losses the Sixers had in the Wells Fargo Center against the Hawks. They had the best home record in the East each of the past two seasons. I, it's another every, every time reopen the scar. Yep, yep, rip, rip it on open again because, um, you know, the Sixers fans had to sit there and watch once again what they knew was coming. You know, it's like the Thanos quote, dread, for, dread it, run from it. Destiny's still alive. Ben Simmons passing the ball I am inevitable. out of the dunk, still alive. Is it- It's inevitable. Yeah. Is it? Is inevitable. I am inevitable. That's what that's what it is. It's funny because the 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 tragedies of Philadelphia I've watched, you know, mainly Eagles and Sixers fans talk about this. Oh, that's just what Philly teams do. Oh, that's just what we're used to. And I thought it was such woe is me before this year. I was like, stop pitying yourselves. Like, like, oh, this happens to us every year. Yeah, teams bullied every year. No, for some reason when it happened this year. Like I said, a lot of skeletons have come out the closet this year. It happened this year, and I was like, oh, no, y'all are, like, a lot, a lot of, like, y'all do suffer a lot more misfortune than most sports cities do. Like, now, it just started to hit me, you know, this year when that happened. Like, yeah, y'all, y'all been well, down that, bad, huh? So the reason I put this one in the script is because there was really a point uh, right before COVID and then when we picked back up at the start of this season where the Sixers were almost unbeatable at the Wells Fargo Center. Mm-hmm. Where you, you see that game on, you check your sports app, like, uh, who are we playing tonight? Are we home or away? You see home and you're like, oh, we probably got this one. I mean, I think it was like 31 and four last year and, you know, similar numbers this year. And I voted in because I think those days are over. I, I, I think. Uh, or they don't matter. They don't matter in the playoffs, I'll, I'll say. Like, it, that home record's should, cute. Man. It should. <laughs> it should. But like, for me. The good teams, it matters. For me going forward, like, 
The only thing the Sixers didn't do in the regular season before that they did this year was get the number one seed. Now, yeah. now that they've gotten the number one seed and still crapped out, I won't say the regular season doesn't matter, but for all intents and purposes, I don't give a hell. I don't give a damn. I don't give a yeah. damn what you did in the regular and, season. And I guess that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. Because yeah. we really were unbeatable in that arena for a good span of time. And then we get here and it doesn't matter. And football matters though. So maybe it's just a sport difference there. Maybe. But we'll move on. We'll go to number two. The number of players in NBA history to record a 45 point and 10 assist game in the playoffs at age 22 or younger. That's Luka Doncic and then most recently Trey Trey Young game one of the Eastern Conference Finals against the Bucks. We've, we've had the ongoing debate, and it was about Donovan Mitchell. Is he like that? We've had it off the record with a lot of people. Is he like that? It's a hard no for me. Hard pass. You know what like that looks like? What Trey Young is doing. That's what that's what like that looks like. Because it's not just 45 points. It's 45 points and a win. 45 points and a big shot at the end. That's what like that looks like to me. Uh, also, we'll see. Jamal Murray was like that at the same point last year then. But we'll see with Trey Young going forward. We'll see. I'm you still gotta, not buying it. Got to sustain you, it. You yeah. also have to. I just want to say that you know one last guy I don't think got mentioned here that deserves. You could argue all the credit, some of the credit, whatever. Travis Schlenk, their GM, who helped out building up the Warriors dynasty. This man got to Atlanta, and they said, "Hey, you want to you want a prototype of Steph Curry to uh, start out your mm-hmm. dynasty build? Oh yeah, I'll <laughs> take it." And he's turned them into this monster. Like, it really fell into his hands. Again, they're a lethal three-point shooting team that plays hard defense when they need to, and they move the ball. It's led by, like, that Steph Curry-esque player. I'm not going to put him on Steph's category yet, but he's just that No, he's a Steph Curry prototype. He's a Steph Curry prototype. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's nice. Now that they beat us, it is nice sitting back and just enjoying it because he's a fun player to watch. I'll say that. Stress-free basketball y'all are in. Stress-free yeah, basketball. I mean, I root against him so hard for one series, but you get down and you get past that, you know, screw Trey Young point, and it's like, yeah, it's good basketball. Fun like I, I like watching it. A little shimmy into a three-pointer. Yeah, entertainment. Yo, you got to play with some swag when you're a 24-year-old with baby hair. You got to play with a whole lot of confidence and a whole lot of swag. Don't reset that. If you can make the shots, I'll get yeah. Sure. Doesn't matter what you look like. If you can put that ball in the Born basket, who? man. <laughs> Uni- shaved unibrow and all. This man cooking everybody out there. <laughs> like cooking everybody. All right, let's, let's move on to number one. The number of teams to come back from multiple O2 deficits in the same postseason. Uh, I don't know if I if I said this, but I said it before. I don't know if I mentioned it when we were talking about Ty Lue. Uh, I said this before the episode that O2, like, they don't count that in his elimination games. Oh, when you're down O2, game three is an elimination game. You go damn, down 3-0. Damn near, yeah. You go down 3-0, you're not... I don't think... Have we ever seen it? a team come back from 3-0 in the NBA? I don't think it's ever happened. So those are nope. he once again staving off elimination. I, I I will count it. If you're down 2-0, you know he comes back and evens at two two. That's that's a major pushback both times. That I mean, look, if we're taking that into consideration, he's the best coach in elimination situations in, in playoff history. At least at least a recent memory, like like yeah. If they get the ring, if they get the ring. Yeah, I mean that's I think that's what. Pat Beverly said in the post-game interview, they call him like Bill, but they call him Ty Belichick or something like That's that. Bill Lou or something like that. Yeah. Because of, because of his in-game adjustments. Like what what in-game in series? Like what what beat us last time will not beat us again. That he's just committed to that. And it yo, it's a big, big props to Ty Lou. But we're almost out of time for this episode of Straight Facts. We can get some shots up at the buzzer. Who got something to say at the buzzer real quick? Get a shot up. I'll go first. Right. Um I, I told you I'm, I'm getting over the Sixers loss. I don't even want to talk sports. Okay. I've had a good week. Uh, but, man, I, I've been on the entertainment side of things. And there's two things I want to talk about in specifically. Specifically, One, just came out, but go check out that Tyler, the Creator album if you're a fan of just music in general. Wayne, Wayne got a verse on that. Wayne got a verse That's on a that. That's a great song, but yeah. the production's insane. And I've been a fan since, like, the uh, Odd Future days, but it, it's the growth as an artist has been insane for Tyler, the Creator. And He's one of those artists now you listen to an album, you know it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how I feel about it. And then two, who let me wait this long to watch The Wire? I saw your tweet this about that. This is one of the greatest shows of, I've ever watched. It's so entertaining. I've like just grinded it. I, I've watched like five hours a day. I stayed up to like 2 a.m. or five episodes a day. I stayed up to 2 a.m. the other night. I had work at 8 just because I needed to finish the season. Like <laughs> This show is great. Have you guys watched it? I haven't watched it. it. 
I'm on I'm on Snowfall right now, and everyone tells me if I like Snowfall, I love The Wire. So The Wires, The Wires, we, we go. We went through a crazy um, time in sports, and the summertime is my show's time because it's just baseball yeah. on. So that's when I catch up on my shows. So I'll, I'll, I'll be getting to. I'll finish Snowfall. I'll get into The Wire afterwards. Everyone tell me The Wire. You got, or something if you I got HBO, watch. you got to. Mm-hmm. And if you don't got HBO, I'll give you a login yeah. just so you can. I got HBO Max, so that's yeah. That's all I, you need. I'm I'm tuned in. I'm tuned in. Jake, you got something to say at the buzzer? Yeah, just to reiterate, because I just listened to the Tyler, the Creator album in full um, on my way to Philly. Someone should have, like, you know, when you're playing with like either a little cousin, maybe it's a brother and you're playing Xbox and they want to play and you give them the turned off controller and you let them go crazy. Mm. Think they're playing. Someone should have done that with DJ drama because this man has a <laughs> DJ Khaled type presence on almost all of those songs and it is and he does. like he he's like and here's the thing i don't like i love like like dream chasers all that stuff like he fits in perfect he's a mixtape dj though he's definitely a mixed he's a mixtape dj when it's like mm-hmm. mixtape vibes though the album he just he really lights up the vibe but with with the ak just kills it i mean there are some moments you'll you you like, like you'll like the drama scream you'll like the you don't like the drama <laughs> screams at the beginning? There were some spots, though. <laughs> there, it, 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 it's definitely one of those things like you should leave on the intro. Like, intro mm-hmm. it, and then, like, keep just be in the back of every other song. But I will say it's not as corny as DJ Khaled's. Especially DJ Khaled's last time. He'll step in randomly, shut the beat down, and go, mm-hmm. we the best. No, no. <laughs> like, DJ Khaled did it perfectly. And every chance that I every chance I get, I still can't stop nah. listening to the song. When he stops Lil Baby and the keep going, that, that turns me up a notch. That, that gets me I thought that was. Here. I'm actually... I'm on the opposite. I, I thought that was corny. No, <laughs> that gets me from here to here. Like, the little keep going gets me here to here. I haven't listened to Tyler Creator's album. I've listened, obviously, to the Wayne song. I'm a Wayne stan, so any any mm-hmm. Wayne song, I get like a spidey sense that something drops. And I'm not gonna lie, I turned the song on and heard DJ Drama, and it, for a Wayne fan, that's exactly what you want to hear before before a Wayne verse. Yeah. That 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 puts me right into 2013 era. I know dedication Wayne is about to come out. Like like that's that's what I, that's what I need. I love to hear DJ Drama, but I understand. Yeah. He's a mixtape DJ. Wise, yeah, he's not he's not an wise. album DJ. He's a mixtape yeah. DJ. Musically, bro, but production wise, musically, Tyler Creator is way ahead of everyone. It like, was also awesome. sonically, right? The way it sounds, yeah. Yeah. right? It, it really yeah. is fun listening to until it's like, uh oh. Until you hear gangster grizzles, then you know it's the vibe. Which is on there, by the way. I know it is. I know it is. He put the gangster grizzle, grizzle, grizzle there. Um, Jake, would you? You never actually gave us you at the buzzers. What you got to say at the buzzers? Uh, the only. So I told you guys about Ted Lasso, right? I told you guys Mm -hmm. I was watching that. Finished it. Phenomenal. New ones coming out uh, in July. Like new season. Definitely go watch that. Uh, I'm watching Mayor of Easttown too. We just started it. Sarah and I, it's a good show, a good show yeah. but it's like, all right, bro, I get it, bro. You're from Delco. All right, I understand the Delco. I got I heard they pound the Delco thing into the sand. Yeah. I heard they pound oh, it into the sand. Yeah. But she has, story about that. Does, doesn't she have a commercial now with the Delco accent on there? I saw some like video, something where like she took it off screen and was, was doing it elsewhere. Yeah. Funny, funny story about that show is my friend who you guys might know, Jaden Davis. Mm-hmm. No, Jaden Davis. Well, Jake too. Jake actually got Jaden Davis. Jaden Davis got an extra spot on this show, and he's like, the day of, he's like, "Yo, you guys gotta watch tonight. You guys gotta watch tonight." They cut the whole scene. No, <laughs> bro. The whole. He said he was. He did like three hours of stuff. His girl had a whole speech. There are tons of people. You watch the scene in the actual show. It's like fifteen seconds. <laughs> so how do you how do you get this extra spot? How do you get that? Uh, he's got like an agency thing going for him right now. He's doing a lot of extra spots, which is cool. That's uh, really shout dope. Out man. To that. Shout out! Shout I out think Jay. Jake Jake got him that one actually though. Jake, mm-hmm. Jake got him in Our there. Guy Jake Noker worked on yeah. the show in in Phoenixville. Am I right to say that? Did, did I hear that? He, this was in Philly. What I'm talking about. Uh, so maybe not. Probably right I thought I heard that this was recorded parts of it in Phoenixville, but I, I didn't hear it some of been. it. I didn't hear some of it. it. First been, of all, yeah. shout out both of them. Didn't know JD out there doing his thing in the in the agency. Shout out him. Shout out Jake Noker, man. Like crazy. That that is that is a local name. That name's not gonna reach too many places yet. And I say yet because that man is working his ass off behind the scenes yep. and he's definitely on his way to being some kind of film director, you know, movie producer, wherever he goes, man. And it's and it's in the indie film route too, which is good. Don't sell out for the for the blockbuster. Stay 
stay in the indie realm. Um, but what I got to say at the buzzer is I have a PSA for people. I won't name anyone specifically because if you fall into this category, you know who you are. If I see one more pair of dirty phasos out in the world, I'm going to snap. If I see it one more time, I'm going to go berserk. I work at the King of Prussia Mall right now. So you can only imagine how many pairs That's of dirty city. white Air Force Ones I see walking in this damn building. And for a, I'm not a crazy sneakerhead, but I do like my shoes. I like my sneakers. And Air Force Ones were not meant to be bought as knockaround shoes. They're not everyday shoes. You don't wear them to any place. Air Force Ones are all white sneakers and they were meant to stay that way. They're not easy to clean for a reason. So... If you are one of these people, you know who you are out there too. If you're one of these people who buys these shoes as knockaround beater shoes, stop it. Please just stop it from everyone out there because I'm really tired of seeing it. Bro, I'm, I'm about to blow a gasket if I see it one more time. I'm really about to like lose my shit if I see them one more time because it's not that hard. Wear, wear a different pair of shoes. KOP Mall is the hotbed for that. You're not <laughs> you're not getting away from it. Crawl, and, and they come into my stores, Rally House. What's going on? What'd you unbox? You just unboxed something. What happened? So, right, so these No, he didn't get the, the No, mochas. he got the jaws. The mocha. Never touch my feet. Never will touch my feet. That's yeah, what man. I'm turning into. Because you said, like, you're like, you're I'm a shoe guy. Like, I'm not really a shoe shoe guy, but like I got a couple shoes and I you can appreciate you, you appreciate the culture though. You appreciate what they yeah. are though. You're not going now on I my feel feet bad, unless I just it's like back. a must-have like stunner event. Not going yeah. on. Yeah. Now I feel bad because I just look back, you can see my shoes back there. I got a pair of 95s. They're a little dirty. They shouldn't be. Air Max 95s. They shouldn't be dirty. They shouldn't be. What color? What, where, which one are they back there? What the, color? The white is the one at the bottom, right, right under the basketball. I see. White, black, gray, yellow. It's like the black, gray, yellow on the side. They're not that dirty, but they definitely. They're not that dirty, and they're Air Max. You might have just gave me the wake up to clean up. No, you got to go clean the shoes. Hey, shoes can get dirty. Just clean them. Like just, just, yeah. just clean them. You're gonna we're gonna walk outside. Something happens. It's it, you know dust is out there, but but don't don't you know just neglect the shoes. And Air Maxes are different. There's something about G Fazos that they were supposed are supposed to be white. Like they're called cocaine ones for a reason. They're just also they're supposed to be white every time you see them. And when yeah. they're dirty and the laces are flopping everywhere like bunny ears and all creased at the front like. Man, my my my, my butt pressure is rising just talking about just thinking about Gear it. Gear gets grinded like right there, and I'm not even like on it like that, but I know exactly where it's still even like just, uh, just send something down your spine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, let's get out of here before I just before I throw <laughs> up everywhere. That's that's all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. We got a lot of stuff off our chest today. I hope we all feel better about getting a lot of things that have been bothering us off our chest. Shout out to Stat Matt Robinson holding it down uh, out there in the world for us. But for my guys on the show, Jake Galley, Kyle Sirik, I'm James Jackson. As always, these have been the facts. Straight up. <laughs>